Greetings. Welcome to our next episode of A Stone in Zion, the podcast of Zion in Reedfield, Wisconsin. And I'm excited about this episode here. I have my first guest. I feel like I'm a real podcast now because I have a guest on. Yes, you do. <laughs> Thank you. And that is my um, honorable cousin, Tim Lake. Very well put. Thank you for that. Hello, everybody. I'm here in Reedfield, Wisconsin, stopping in to see the wonderful Reverend Peter Kesting, a cousin of mine, as he had just mentioned. I uh, go way back with this guy. Unfortunately, after we grew up and started families, I don't get to see him as, as quite often as I'd like to, but hey, we're putting that aside because here I am now, and we're going right. to go with this. Great, and it's good to, good to see you again. Pleasure uh, seeing you. Yeah, so I... Two week, like two years ago, something like that. So it's been been a while. It's good to see you again. Absolutely. And I got a couple of questions for you here. We're starting as you, the sermon's going to come up here in a minute after the the interview, and uh, we're starting the Advent season. So uh, we're thinking about Christmas and just some Christmas thoughts here. Thanksgiving was just the other day. It's, we heard Christmas music on the drive um, here the other day. Um, it is the Christmas season. So uh, a question for you, Tim. What what do you think about Christmas traditions. You know, think of some pros and cons of Christmas traditions in in um, in your life. Well, for me, I would definitely say that there are more pros than cons, and that comes from both sides of my family, my father's side and my mother's side. Um, when Christmas time rolls around, I always think back to the earlier days when my grandparents were still alive and how much fun we would have and getting together with all the cousins and just having an absolute blast. You know, you look forward to the holidays then. Not saying that I don't now, but they were a little less stressful back then, as you can imagine, being mm -hmm. a kid. Yep. And, you know, so we share a grandfather, Grandpa Wenzel. Um, and what do you think of, can you think, remember some of his Christmas traditions and you incorporate them in your in your uh, traditions as well, or do you, you know, think about? Want to talk a little bit about? Grandpa yeah, Wenzel? I, uh, I do my best to uh, work a little Grandpa Wenzel into the scene as far as you know, getting the camera out and chasing everybody down to take those wonderful, glorious family pictures. Um, if you recall, back in the day, we'd go down in the basement at his house and see him come down the stairs, and you always knew he had that camera. And, we all scatter because nobody was willing to sit still for a picture. But eventually, you know, we got into it and said, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. So I, I miss the, the days of us all lining up there on the couch and having him snap the holiday picture. and mm -hmm. Just just having him and Grandma be there and all the laughs and mm -hmm. the, the, the Christmas decorations that grandma porter heart and soul into you know inside the house and yeah just, well, just always always looking forward to all of it. whether it was christmas thanksgiving if there was any time that we could get together and have fun then i made sure that i was there and i made the best of it i always thought of grandpa and grandma as kind of being minimalist on some of the christmas decorations you mentioned yes that. that's why i i and said inside because i don't recall there ever being too much on the outskirts of the home so. yeah and i think and even the like 
I don't know if they ever had Christmas trees. They didn't when I was when we were around. Grandpa would always have the cut out wooden Christmas tree. Uh, yeah, I remember him uh, having remember that, that on the front door, on yeah. the inside of the front door. And I, I think the main focus for him was I think he tried to keep things focused on Jesus. Jesus, absolutely. Yeah. And you know he was not a big fan of, of Santa Claus. No, no. I, <laughs> you know, you'd go there and. You would never see no, anything you would, Santa no. Claus. No, was... you would never see anything Santa Claus. And you know, and I, I mean, if you if you're into Santa Claus, that that's fine. Um, you know, that's part of it. But for him, I always remember that that uh, impact on him on having it be on Jesus. And I think that's worn off on, on us a little bit yeah, too. You yeah. know, um, that I think he he was open to the idea of it, but as far <laughs> as him getting behind it a hundred percent. That was out yeah, of the question. Yeah. Well, he was a, a pastor. I don't know if he ever... Uh, he was an old-school Lutheran pastor. I don't know if he ever preached against Santa Claus. But, um, yeah. It, so I think that's part of what, when I think about Christmas and Grandpa, I think of that that focus on Jesus. And I guess I try to bring that in, too. You know, we do our yeah. tra traditions as well, but then we always try to bring it back. Um, into what's really important. And that kind of yeah. leads a little bit into the, the opening of my sermon here as to what we're talking about, like finding things that are important more so than what are what is urgent. All right, well, we're trying to keep this short, so thank you, Tim, for joining me. Thank and, you for uh, having me. All right, blessings to you. Same to you. Our Old Testament lesson from Jeremiah chapter 33 will serve as the text for our sermon Allow me to read a few of those verses again. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ, our righteousness. Well, it has started, right? The crazy time of the year is now on us. I often think of this weekend that we're in right now to be the start of the, 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 the busiest time of the year for most people. And of course, we're just at the beginning of it. You know, it's just starting now. And... Uh, it's going to continue this way for a while. Unfortunately, though, in the busy or the crazy times of the year when you're going here, going there, shopping for this or that, often the urgent things are tended to and the important things are forgotten. Sometimes, you know, the things that are urgent get more of our attention than what's really important. You know, if a, let's say your friend calls you up and wants your advice on what gift they should give for their cat. You know, they're, they're talking to you on the phone. That's urgent, right? I mean, you can't just ignore, hang up on them. You have to talk to them and, and uh, answer their questions. So that's urgent, right? But is that really all that important? Some of the important things in our lives go along the wayside. Spending time with the loved ones, uh, being in God's word, contemplating what this time of year really means and why it's important to us. Those are some of the things that 
are really important, but how much time do we have to sit and contemplate the mystery of the Incarnation? because of all the urgent things that are going on in our lives. Perhaps we can use this today as a moment for us to think about what's really important, for us to open our eyes wide, to see what is important, to see what our Savior has done for us, but also to see what he will do for us. Yes, we, we're in the Advent season, and I often think of Advent is a time of looking at promises fulfilled. You know, it really is. I mean, the Old Testament lessons are all talking about a promise of Jesus. And that certainly was our case for today, when he's talking about this righteous branch, the Lord, our righteousness, this, his name will be. That's talking about Jesus, right? This is a, definitely a promise of Jesus. This is a season of promises. And that's one of the things I like the most about Christmas is, is looking at all those promises that were made in the Old Testament and seeing how they were fulfilled sometimes a thousand years later. Isn't that amazing? One important thing it teaches us in this season of promises is that our God is a promise keeper. And that's important for us to know, that our God is a promise keeper. Because a time will come when we will all have to close our eyes for the last time, and we're going to have to trust. And we're going to find out firsthand if God is a promise keeper. Think of Jesus. When he was here on this earth, he said that he was prepared, He was going to go and prepare a place for us in heaven. He was going to take us to be there with him. He made that promise. And the day is going to come when we're going to find out if, God, if Jesus is a promise keeper or not. And there's only one way to find out. It's by closing our eyes here on this existence and seeing the next. And on that moment, we will find out if God is a promise keeper or not. Whether Jesus was telling the truth or if he was lying. And I think to help us in preparing for that moment, because that is ultimately something we all have to deal with at some point in time, is that he has proven himself faithful. And we can see how he's done that in the Old Testament time and time again. We see that God is a promise keeper. He made all these Old Testament promises and he kept them. It leads us to have trust in him, doesn't it? Trust can be a hard thing. It's hard to sometimes, you know, trust people and hope that they have kept their promises. You ever do Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace? If, you, if you've ever done those things, you have to trust that people are promise keepers. Strangers, right? That's basically what the whole thing is about. If you say, well, let's meet in the, such and such a place at such and such a time, and you show up and the person doesn't come, well, you soon realize that that stranger was not a promise keeper. It's never good having to rely on these promises of people that you really have no experience with. It's hit and miss. 
What a comfort it is then for us to look at God and see that he has made these promises a time and time again, and he has kept them all. And in fact, really the only promise he hasn't kept yet is the promise to return here on this earth. And there's no reason for us to believe that it's not going to happen either. It seems like the times and days are getting closer. As we remember from the gospel lesson, as we saw how those signs are being fulfilled all around us. So we see that Jesus is a promise keeper. And we see that here in our text, that there is a promise. God made a promise that a righteous branch would sprout from David's line. There's several times this imagery is used in Scripture of a, the root of, of Jesse or the stump of Jesse. And Jesse was David's father. So what is this talking about? Well, David, from the Bible, was that, that Old Testament king, lived about a thousand years before Jesus. And he was given the promise that one of his descendants would be the savior of the world. And he was a king, and his son Solomon was a king, and, and they were kings in their line after them. And at first, they seemed very royal and very powerful. David was a powerful king. His son was too. But shortly afterwards, things went downhill. That tree of David, which was once a, a tall, glorious oak, you could say, well, it got rotten, and it fell over. It was nothing but a rotten stump. But that's what this is saying here. From that, that rotten stump, a shoot will come out. And you know, sometimes in nature, there are kind of those things that we see. How, how from a, a stump, shoots will come out. Little suckers, a new tree will form from a dead one, Right? You know, you stick a, a potato in your pantry and it falls behind some cans and you forget about it for a month. What, what happens to it? Well, the, the eyes come out. It's starting new life. And so often we see that in nature from something that seems dead, new life will come. Up from the ashes, the phoenix is reborn. And that's really what we see with Jesus. Because by the time that we get to the time of, of Jesus and, and Mary and, and Joseph, that tree of David was dead. Joseph and Mary were descendants of, of David, but they were living as poor people, as paupers. They were not important princes and princesses as they should have been because of their lineage, but they were nobodies. Joseph was a, a carpenter, and we see how they did not have money to, uh, you know, provide even some of the basic necessities. Jesus was born in a manger, in a, in a cattle shed, placed in that food trough, a manger. So we see that this is a promise that from that deadline of David a righteous branch would come. And that was Jesus. And the fact that this would be, that this came from something that seemed dead, it really shows that Jesus didn't come from a powerful person at that time. It shows that Jesus, this was not by human power. 
that this was all God's doing, that he would choose, choose these, these lowly people, people of no real importance, and to make something amazing come from them. You know, perhaps one of the most powerful and interesting people that has ever lived in the existence of the world was alive at that time, Caesar, Augustus. And, you know, it's possible that Jesus could have been born of him, the most powerful and probably the, the, the greatest strategist in the world that's ever existed. Well, then, if he had been born of Caesar, of course, you would say, well, the, the credit goes to Caesar, then it goes to his upbringing, it goes to his genes. But here we see, no, this came from something that was dead. The credit goes to God, that he would send his son into this world to be our savior. And it says here that in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. Now think about what it means there. And Jerusalem will live in safety. Was Jerusalem a safe place at Jesus' time? Well, in some ways it perhaps was because the Romans were in control. But it wouldn't stay peaceful for long. There would be uprisings, and the Romans would actually come and destroy the temple. And think about world history. Is Jerusalem a safe place? Has it been for the last 2,000 years? No, there, there was uh, invasions by the Muslims, invasions by the Christians, and even the last 100 years. It always seems like there's wars and bombings, things like that going on in Jerusalem. When so... When it says here that Jerusalem will live in safety, what is this talking about? Well, we have to understand that this Jerusalem could be referring to God's church. And safety is more than just having uh, protection and shelter. Safety can come in an even more important way of knowing that no matter what happens... Eternal life is ours. And I think, you know, you know the safety in knowing that, that heaven is truly your home. And how do we have that safety? How can Jerusalem, us, Jerusalem, Zion, how can we have that safety? Well, because Jesus came into this world to be our Savior. He died to take away our sins. And he made us his own. And we now truly do live in real safety because of what he has done. So these words are, are true. This is what he will do. He gives us a safety that this world cannot provide. We live in, in crazy times. And perhaps there are many in this world who don't feel safe. But if we know what God has in store for us, that, that Jesus has locked us into an eternal hope, we can feel a safety that others cannot have. Here in our text, it, it ends in a very interesting way. It ends by saying that his, what his name will be. Let me read that to you again. It says, This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Now you'll notice that nowhere in the Bible is Jesus ever Named in the old, and nowhere in the Old Testament is Jesus ever named as, you know, the, this Messiah will come and his name will be Jesus of Nazareth. 
it's never really quite that clear. He is sometimes referred to as having come from Nazareth, and Jesus is a word for he saves, but it's never quite that clear. But here we see a very clear prophecy of what his name would be and what he would do. The Lord, our righteousness. How is Jesus our righteousness? Well, maybe you can think of some parents who live vicariously through their, their children. So, to, you know, to live vicariously means to, to kind of live as a substitute or have someone be your substitute. Maybe there's a, a dad who was never very good at sports and he always wanted to be good at sports. So he made sure that his kids got all the training and really pushed them hard to um, be in sports so that he could kind of live through them, right? So that, you know, he never got to be on the varsity team, but if he can get his kids on the varsity team, then he can kind of live through them. That's, that's living vicariously. And it may not always work out so well for the, the kids, right? But uh, that's what it means to live vicariously. Now, we live vicariously through Jesus. Because we're kind of like the parent who has no athletic ability. We have no righteous abilities. We're not good at being righteous at all. In fact, we're terrible at it. We can try to keep God's law on our own, but <clears throat> we'll never make it. But we have to live vicariously. We have to live through Jesus because he is the one who was righteous, who was perfect and holy. He got it right. And we can have his righteousness. We can live through him and his righteousness. And this amazing concept of our salvation, it was predicted here already in the Old Testament. And we see that it was fulfilled in Christ. Your brothers and sisters, in this Advent season, as we look at these promises of God um, here in the Advent season, as on Christmas, we, we continue to look at those Old Testament promises of God. May we see his love for us. May we see God as that promise keeper. May we see Jesus as that righteous branch who lived perfectly in our place so that we could have the hope of eternal life. Is, may all praise and glory be to him. Amen. Please rise. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated as we sing our next hymn, hymn 376.